On today's episode of Metroplex Mania, Adam Rosenfield joins once again to preview the 2021-2022 Dallas Mavericks season. Hello there. And welcome to another episode of Metroplex Mania. As always, I'm your host, Sean Makani. Metroplex Mania is brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. A brand new Dallas Mavericks season is finally upon us, and there's no one else I'd rather talk Mavs basketball with than my my dear friend, Mr. Adam Rosenfield. Adam, how's, how's it going, bud? Uh, it's great, Sean. Uh, we're, we're excited. Uh, we've got 24 hours till uh, our season tips off. The NBA tipped off last week, and... You know, I think there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of new. There's a lot of new and a lot of the same old. So uh, let's uh, let, let's jump in. Yeah, man. Um, you know, you talk about you talk about the new. Obviously, last time that that you hopped on the podcast, we we kind of did our emergency um, emergency pod when you know when the kid hiring was announced, and I think both of us were a little skeptical right at first. I mean, I think just judging by his his previous you know, stops, um, in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Um, you know, I, I take solace in the fact that, you know, Giannis and Middleton, um, have both come out and have praised kid for the work that, that he did in developing their careers. And it, it, it gives me hope for what he can do for Porzingis because I think that, and we'll get into keys to the season and all that, but I think Porzingis obviously is, is one of, if not the biggest key for the Mavericks um, and their success going forward. Um, But, you know, watching this team in the preseason, um, I think you saw a lot more fluidity. I think you saw a lot more off-ball movement. um, And and I think there was more intensity. And overall, I think people just, people looked happier. I mean, to be honest, like, I, you know, I think Carlisle had soured in, you know, in the mouths of a lot of our players. And, it seems like kid is kind of that refreshing, you know, for, you know, new coach for this team and, and everybody's kind of warming up to him. Yeah. But I feel like you're, you're a finance guy. And I feel like this season though, it's uh, what is it? It's, I'm trying to compare it to like crypto or the stock market. It's like, I buy these stocks with the expectation that they're all going to hit at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like this season is like, Oh yeah, we got some guys and we don't know, but we think that if they all hit, you know, we're gonna we're we're gonna do great things. Like I've seen projections from us from like the experts, and they've all said they've all ranged from second in the West to the play-in game. And so right. we we are basically banking our hopes on Jason Kidd isn't like the Jason Kidd of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Porzingis plays what at least seventy games, and you know he's effective. Um, what Sterling Brown and Reggie Bullock are hitting threes at 40, 40%, 45%. Maxi Cleaver's mm-hmm. doing the same. You know, what, there's so much, ex, there, there's so many like things that have to happen, you know, because like we still only have two playmakers, Luca and Jalen Brunson. And so mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. There's like, yeah, it was a 4 0 preseason, and it's great. I mean, we did whip Charlotte by what, 62 points? But, yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah, but it's like, you know, how much further can, you know, Luca can only do so much work before he gets tired out at, at the end of the year. And like so much is like we're banking so much on like everything going right, which is not 
the best way to, to, to go about things. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say this. I think you, you're right in that we do, we need a lot to go right, but I feel like everything that could have gone wrong for this team last year did. Right. I mean, you talk about the COVID, you know, struggles that this team went through other than Boston. We had the most players who missed games. Porzingis didn't come back until December uh, excuse me, till January. The season didn't even start till December, and Luca and KP both um, were out of shape coming into the season. Um, you know, Kleba missed a lot of time. Dwight Powell was still recovering from his Achilles tear. Uh, you know, the the Jason Richardson experiment obviously didn't work. Um, and to be fair, I, I don't know how much better this team is with Seth Curry. I think it's probably still the same outcome in terms of losing to the Clippers. I mean, Maybe we win because Curry hits a bigger shot, but at the same time, we should have beaten the Clippers anyway. Um, and it was just it was just a, a, the Kawhi Leonard show at that point, and, and nobody could stop him. Um, but I think when, when you look at the way that kind of the third part of the season went last year, when everyone started getting healthy and you brought in, you know, Porzingis started to kind of get a little bit, you know, get his footing underneath him. And, and Kleber found a shot. Hardaway Jr. had that ridiculous streak uh, towards the end of the season. This team was, uh, again, a top five offensive team in that third, you know, third part of the season. Uh, this team was went from 14th in the West all the way back up to seventh. I mean, you know, that's that's crazy, right? From February to the end of the season, this team literally jumped seven spots in in the rankings. So you bring back essentially the same roster, right? You're shuffling out basically Josh Richardson for Sterling Brown and Reggie Bullock, what kind of effect are they going to have? You know, we'll talk about that, but I think everything that could have gone wrong last year did. And so we're starting kind of with that clean slate. Everyone's healthy. Finally, we've got the off season to mesh. I don't take too much stock in the preseason, but again, you just look at the way they play on the court and, and it, you know, it seems to be that there's a little bit more chemistry there and a little bit more, willingness and and just joy amongst the players i don't know if that's if that's because carlisle's gone or if it's just you know they they seem relieved or, or whatever the case may be but it just looks like a happier bunch of guys that's fair i'm 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 as you're talking i'm kind of looking through our past preseason uh statistics and like i, I like because you know you always what was it? I think uh, the Kings, somebody wrote today, they're on like a 10-game win streak because they went undefeated in the summer league and undefeated in preseason. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, does that mean they're finally going to make the playoffs? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm just lo- I'm looking and I'm like, you know, do I see any trends from the preseason to, you know, the, the actual season? Uh, we went 2-1 and one last year. Um, I mean, yes, this is a loose bunch. Uh, which is, you know, this, this is a loose bunch, which is great. Um, but how, you know, how much better is it going to last? Like, can, can kid, this kid have the tactical knowledge that Carlisle does, or is kids coaching going to lose us games? You know, I, I think, I think that that's that's a big issue because, you know, how good of a coach is, is he actually? Yeah, and and that's a good point. And you know, we've like I said, we've seen the struggles that he had in Boston, in excuse me, Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. Milwaukee actually was, I think, in playoff contention or made the playoffs when he was there or something. But you know, they that his defensive kind of mindset is is you know what what the struggle was. I, I don't, 
I don't think that there's going to be an issue offensively. I think when you've got a guy like Luca, he's going to find people open. I think Hardaway Jr. re-signing was, was huge. Um, you know, we got him at a discount, obviously. I think he was getting $15, $18 million more from yeah. like New Orleans. and a Got couple him on other... the declining deal, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think we got him on on just a great a great deal, and I think his fit with Luca is um, is better than people realize their chemistry together. Um, so offensively, I'm not worried. Uh, I think defensively is where this team's got to improve, right? It you can't if you look at there's a stat I looked at earlier. The last ten teams to win an NBA title, um, excuse me, no, since 2005, the last 15 championship teams have all had a defensive rating that was at least 10th best in the NBA. So, you know, throw away the notion that, you know, you just have to have a good offense to win, you know, a championship in the NBA. You've got to be a solid defensive team, right? You've got to be at least top 10. Can this team get there? That's the question, right? The, the fit of Porzingis and Dwight Powell next to each other scares me because that was literally the worst defensive pairing in, in basketball. Um, at the beginning of the season or, or midway through the season, excuse me, last year when those two were on the court. So whether whether it's it's coaching or whether it's adjustments that need to be made, those two really have to step up on the defensive end because you got to protect the rim and either Porzingis or Powell is going to have to switch and and cover, you know, one of these stretch fours that we've got in the league now. That, see, that's and that's what frustrates me is that we've got you know, once again, so much of this season is predicated on development. We didn't like, yeah, we brought in Reggie Brown. We brought in, or we brought in Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown. And, but like how much of an impact are they going, you know, are they just fringe guy? Like, and then Frank Natilikina, I mean, how much, I mean, how much of an impact are we actually going to see from, from these guys? Like they aren't game changing additions. Like some of our, other, no. you know, no, not at all. They're not game changing, but I'll say anything's an upgrade over what Josh Richardson gave us last year. Sure. Um, I, I think Nilikina was brought in. So I think there was a there was talk within the organization for a while that they were going to let Tyrell Terry go. Um, who, unfortunately, I, I wish he would have, you know, kept around. I mean, that's another pick that we throw out. You know, I mean, again, him, Tyler Bay, Nate Hitton, like I mean, all the, these. Yeah, the twenty twenty was just like. Horrible. It's and, and and that's a referendum on Donnie Nelson and and the struggles that we've had drafting, um, you know, for God knows how long. I mean, other than Luca, um, and really Dirk, which was just a, a an insane trade at the time, you know, giving away tractor trailer for him. Uh, other than Luca and Dirk, I mean, we haven't made any good picks, and there's a lot of people that we've passed up on, and so, you know, that that I think is just wholly a referendum on on the previous front office, but. You know, I I think you bring in a guy like Nilikina, A, because you knew that Tyrell Terry was going to be off the team, but he brings defensive versatility. He's a guy who can come in and give you 10, 12 minutes and and guard, you know, some of these bigger point guards, um, which we saw Brunson struggle with mightily in the playoffs last year. But but is he a ceiling raiser? Like, I think the problem that we have, Luca is a ceiling raiser. Do like we didn't bring anybody who's a ceiling raiser, and that's what like our goal no. is not you know to get to the second round. Our goal is to win. You know, when you have a generational talent like Luca, your goal is to win a championship. Absolutely, and and I think I, I think the ceiling raisers that were out there, right? You're talking guys like Demar's Rosen. You know, we talked about this, you know, lengthily over the summer, right? When we when we you know you hopped on the podcast and we we talked about free agency and and things like that, but. I don't think DeMar DeRozan makes his team better. 
the one guy I thought maybe would would be Kyle Lowry, but I wasn't committing as much money as he got what you get, in Miami. Three eighty-five was it? Was yeah, like I'm yeah. not I'm not committing twenty million a year, whatever he got, you know, from from Miami for him. Um, I, I think I I honestly think, and it's been the same thing that we've talked about the last couple of years. This team is banking on a healthy Chris Apps Porzingis because if you get if you get the Porzingis pre-knee injury, which I don't think we ever will see, but if you get even 75% of that, maybe even 60% of that, that that puts you in a good position to at least, I think, make the second round, if not the conference finals, especially with the way Luca plays. I think the healthy offseason for Porzingis, I think having a new coaching staff that believes in him and that is clearly working with him to improve his game. It it really, I think it's going to motivate him. And I think it's, it's going to put him in a position where he wants to succeed rather than just kind of sulking around being like, all right, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting the ball. Luca's got it. Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, let's, so I think that's something else, you know, we, sure we hired kid, but we also hired three assistant coaches who I think make an impact. You've got Igor Kakaskov, who I think if I'm, if I'm right, Slovenian. Um, yep. He was he was Luca's coach when uh, Luca played for Real Madrid. Yeah, and so you've got him, and I know he's got a year of coaching the Suns, and you've got Christy Tolliver, and you've got uh, what's his name, um, Jared, Jared Dudley. Dudley. Yeah, and so has worked with with so many NBA players and is well, he's insanely le- he's, revered. He's, he's LeBron's boy. So yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, obviously anybody who's LeBron's boy is going to have a job in the league for the rest of their lives. But you know, how much of an impact do you think? they are going to make on on the players uh i mean i i think i think igor's hire was directly to especially when you've got a team of where your top two players are international i think that international relationship really you know really makes a difference um in the league you've got to have carlisle look carlisle was a great x's and o's coach i think he's one of the top five coaches in the nba um, especially with what he did with this roster. I mean, other than the years, you know, the last two years that we tanked, we still were, were you know, making the playoffs as like an eight seed with like OJ Mayo as our shooting guard, you know, like, well, he's, it's not like he's, we had a- he's great at, at, he was great at developing players who are like on the margins, like right. DFS, Dwight, Maxi Kleber. But the problem is these guys are what they are. They're, they were undrafted for a reason. They're not mm-hmm. going to be superstars. So exactly, exactly. So, you know, I, I think, look, if I'm, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, what, what real impact are these, these coaches going to have? First of all, I think the international piece of this helps, right? I think having a guy like Igor Kokoskov come in and and really work with, with not only Luca, but I think with KP as well is, is a huge deal. But Jared Dudley being a guy that has worked, I mean, he's, he played with Anthony Davis for the last couple of years. I couldn't even tell you the teams that jared dudley's played on because it feels like it's been uh, every with, team in the, NBA. the yeah the nash Suns, um right back in the day with amari uh and i think he played on the sixers for a little bit right maybe the like sixers um because he played what 14 years uh but he, like he, he, i mean it was the yeah it was, swung around a lot well it was it was the run and gun Suns. here we go run and gun Suns. i think early lob city clippers early Giannis. Uh, and then was it the Bobcats he played on back in the day? So, so I mean, you look at the big men he's played with. He played with Giannis. He's played with Amari Stoudemire. He's played with um, yeah. Anthony Davis. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre uh, Jordan. 
uh, uh, Blake Griffin. You know, the, there's there's a developmental aspect of why Jared Dudley was brought in, right? Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see each each assistant coach has their own, um, you know, kind of nuance and and the way that they they kind of um, assist, you know, the way they assist the head coach and the way that they help out the players. I mean, it's going to take a couple of games, I think, to see exactly what what their impact is, right? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, the one thing that encouraged me in the preseason was just, especially the game against the Clippers, um, you know, the way that the team was moving, not just, you know, certain players, but offensively, I mean, everyone is setting, you know, ball screens, everyone is running around. I mean, in Carlisle's offense, you saw in the playoffs where it was just Luca, you know, setting pick and rolls and that's it, right? And everybody else just stand out the corner and, Hope to you know if they collapse on Luca in the paint, then kick it out yeah, that and, was, and hope. That was for so three. hard to watch. Was it game? It was either at game five or game seven. It was just like so. No, maybe it was game six. It was like so hard to watch. It was just Luca doing everything. Dude, it was so just maddening. I mean, watching that and you're like, it like get other players involved. Like I understand we didn't have another ball handler and we probably still don't, other than Jalen Brunson. But there's other ways to scheme open players. You just have to you know a coach like Carlisle should be able to do that, and he didn't for whatever reason. Um, but you know, just in the preseason, I mean, I think we got glimpses of what, you know, what this team can be, uh, granted again, it's preseason, but just the way that the team was moving, I think is, is, I think we're really going to see, you know, something new on display, uh, you know, when we play the Hawks and, and I'm excited to see what that is. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, look, it, it's a complete regime change from top to bottom, right? You're talking new new GM, new head coach, new assistant coaches. This team's get, there's going to be some struggles this year. For sure, right? Coming in coming into the year sure. with this with whatever scheme that kids implementing. Um but I guess, you know, so I think the over under of the Mavs is is 48 wins this year. Um which would get them probably I think fifth or sixth. And, and like I I've seen everywhere from second in the West to seventh in the West is kind of where pe- people have us falling. What, what's, what, what do you think? How many games do you think this team wins? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of, of who, you know, who, who are we, who are we worse than? I mean, I don't think, I don't think we beat the Suns in a seven game series. I don't think we beat the jazz. I bet we're probably neck and neck with well no i we're probably below the lakers um golden state's such a wild card you know mm-hmm. if, if thompson's back at 100 percent uh you know there's that um uh yeah um i'm trying to think i don't know i i think probably sixth or seventh wow um, okay i mean i i just what did we do to move us past? Because what we were fifth last year, and the only reason we were fifth is that what didn't we beat? We were a game ahead of Denver, right? No, the only mm-hmm. reason we were fifth is because we won the Southwest Division. And so, right. are we better than any of those five teams ahead of us? I, I think we're better than Denver just because Denver's going to not have Jamal Murray the entire season. If Jamal Murray's on that team, they're probably better than us. I think Utah probably finishes with the best record in the Western conference. Um, I think the Lakers will figure out a way to make all these, you know, 30 year olds fit together. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's going to be the most interesting experiment in the NBA. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think they figure it out. I, I don't, I don't doubt LeBron. I, I actually think they win the title. But, um, man, Phoenix, I, I look, Phoenix is great. They have a great young team, but this whole DeAndre Ayton situation that's looming over there, over that locker room, and, yeah. and the fact that he's not getting paid, there's, there's always a fall off with Chris Paul teams that make it to like make it to the conference finals or or something like that. Like it's. It, I can't remember where I saw the stat, but it's like the next year they like lose like three, four places in in the rankings. Yeah, in terms well, of like, yeah, because Houston, it was like they went to the conference finals, and then I think they yeah, it was like the yeah. first round. Right. So it's I I don't know what the hangover is going to be for Phoenix. Um, you know, health is all look health is always the main kind of concern, right? I I think this team it finishes anywhere between fifth and second, to be honest. Um, optimistic yeah and look even as bad as this team was at the beginning of the year last year they still finished fifth right and this is that that's that's the thing that i take away i mean you ask, yes you're bringing back essentially the same roster right you're bringing back every, other than josh richardson i mean you basically swapped him out for reg bullock who i think is a much better fit for this team considering he hits you know 41 percent of his threes on catch and shoot attempts sure. but um you know, I, I think you're bringing back exactly the same team that you had last year. And even with all the struggles that we had, we still finished fifth. So it's it's kind of like if we're healthy and if we if we don't go through those same COVID struggles, this team should be better, right? They should have been better last year. And I think I think you put all that together and you I think you also have to factor in the emotions of the players. And I think the players are happy that Rick Carlisle is gone. And I think that is going to be a big factor in in how well this team meshes and, and how well they perform this season. But but like also so we you know we talk about the teams above us though, but then there's the teams below us. Like do we think, you know, uh, Me- Memphis, you know, Portland, are they I mean are they did they do enough to move past us? And I know we're only we're fo- we should focus specifically on the Mavs, but like you know, that's not, I mean, no, no, Memphis, I mean Memphis, we have to talk about it. I mean, Me- yeah. Memphis has a lot, listen, Memphis has a lot of young guys and, you know, you think full year of Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, you know, our, uh, our boy Desmond Bain, who, you know, we, you know, wish, wish we could have been here, but instead we got yep. Terrell Terry, um, you know, I mean, are, are they, and, and the Warriors, you know, are, is Clay Thompson going to come back? Is, is those, are those three guys they drafted, um, you know, is Andre Iguodala going to be enough? Um, cause they were eighth last year. So, yeah, I, I, with Memphis, I, I think that's a team on the rise for sure. I think they've got a lot of young pieces and a lot of team, a lot of things that work. I think the Valanchunas trade hurts them. Uh, I don't know why they did that to get Steven Adams. Like I felt Valanchunas was a much better fit next to Jaron Jackson and with John Moran and Steven Adams. It's considering Valanchunas can, you know, step out and, you know, knock down a three and knock yeah, down mid-range shots. 100%. I mean, Steven Adams is, Steven Adams is, you know, just a stand around the paint kind of guy, right? I mean, he's not, he, he doesn't have the skill set that, that uh, Jonas Valanciunas has. And John Moran has struggled, you know, outside of the paint, right? We've seen him, he's improved, you know, with his three-point shooting, but there's a reason why the comps for him coming out of college were Russell Westbrook, because, Russell Westbrook's first couple of years in the league, he was an awful jump shooter and he still is not the greatest. Oh, right? I mean, he's no Steph Curry. He's improved and he's got a couple seasons where he hits, you know, 37, 38% from three, but 
you know, you're asking a lot if you're having, if you're, if you're, you know, trying to get John Morant to shoot 35% from three. Um, you know, John Morant's a in your face kind of grit and grind, you know, perfect Memphis Grizzly. Yeah. But he, he's a, he's a take it to the house and, and, you know, dunk on you, get fouled, flashy layups kind of guy. Um, I, I, look, Memphis is a team on the rise. Portland, I don't, un, unless they figure out a way to, to fix that team and get somebody else alongside McCollum and Lillard, that team is not going to finish higher than, than seventh, I think, in my mind. I mean, I, they didn't do anything major to, other than hiring Chauncey Billups, um, I don't think they did anything major to to add any you know add any depth or add any um, anything that's going to help them to advance in the in the Western Conference, right? I mean, Dame is going to carry that team like he has done the last decade. See, Golden State's the wild card, right? That's like you said, Golden State's the one team where if Clay Thompson and they're holding him out, they're not going to bring him back till February. But if Golden State's middling around at five hundred, um come trade deadline and Clay Thompson comes back healthy, it would not shock me to see Golden State, you know, package Wiggins and Weissman and a couple picks ben and ben go ben out and ben get ben Bradley Beal or get Ben Simmons or yeah. get Zach Levine or, you know, one of these guys that will turn the table and then Golden State just, you know, then we see Golden State in the conference finals. Like, that would not shock me at all. But see, and like that that just boils down to my fear with, with the Mavs. Like with Golden State, you've got an interesting mix of, championship caliber veterans and then three high draft picks plus James White, you know, plus James Wiseman. And like, you know, their draft picks showed out in summer league, you know, with Portland, same thing. You've got a good little buddy duo plus, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simmons, um, you know, and, 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 and those types. Um, my fear is with us is you have Luca and you're banking on KP at a hundred percent. Well, and like you have Hardaway, sure, but like, what else? You know, what else do we do we have? I mean, that and that. Man, I think I think you're discounting the health of you know how much health is a factor in this, right? If Maxi Kleba is healthy, and if Dorian Finnis-Smith doesn't miss time for COVID, if Jalen Brunson doesn't miss time for COVID, this team probably is a top four. I mean, we finished fifth in the West. This team is a top four, maybe even top three team last year in the Western Conference, and that's with. Keep in mind, Porzingis, even though he missed a lot of a lot of the year, he still ha- averaged his best numbers as a Maverick. And people look at that and say it's not good enough because yes, defensively he's been a train wreck since he got here. And I think that I think that a lot has to do with his confidence, and a lot of it has to do with just kind of his internal struggle of of you know what is my role on this team, what am I supposed to do, what's being asked of me. Um, a lot of it, I agree with you, a lot of the season is going to ride on him. A lot of the season is going to bank on, you know, do we see 70, 65% of the Chris Epps Porzingis that we saw in New York pre-injury? Well, but not only that, what about the, uh, what about development? Like, I want to see, one guy who I really actually want to see develop, and I don't think he'll play more than like 30 games a season, is Moses Brown. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's got this like way about him. I mean, what he's seven, one can run the floor. I mean, look pretty good moves wise, defense wise. I would love to see us start. To, I mean, we've, we, we do really, really well with these like undrafted guys. I mean, we've developed DFS, Kleber, uh, you know, J- Jalen, like I would love to see Moses Brown, you know, be like that second big man foil. And it might take two years 
Um, but like him and Josh, like Josh Green, I saw they just extended him. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. it's time for Josh Green to show up. Um, I think he got kind of screwed this year. Uh, I wish he was playing summer league instead of playing for the Australian national team because he barely got off the bench. Yeah, I agree. I I think he definitely should have sat out the Olympics. But, for sure. But I mean, like that, that. I think that's something to watch out too for is is who is who is going to take that next step forward? Um, because if people take the next step forward, I think that's how we. Like yes, it's so much on Porzingis, but if we if if these guys can can take the next step forward. You know, I think that, that that's how we went. Yeah, and Moses Brown's an interesting player because he played for the Texas Legends before he got picked up by OKC. And then he had like a crazy end to the year with, with Oklahoma City. I mean, he was balling out, like averaging yeah. like 20 and like crazy. 15. Like it was insane. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking, I was like, man, this guy looks good. Like whoever this kid is, like, you know, out of UCLA, I mean, he, he you know, looks like a, a good dude, like looks like he knows how to play and protect the paint. The Mavericks have this... You know, funny. You know, Mark Cuban came out a couple months ago and said that any like former player that um, you know has like ties to the organization, if they ever want like a coaching job, like yeah. he's willing to like you know give it to them, right? So that's why you've got JJ Brea coming in here and and you know doing his thing, and then he hires Tyson Chandler to come in literally solely to work with Moses Brown. I mean, that's all he's done all all off season is work with Moses Brown, and so I love it. Yeah, if Moses Brown can be half the player Tyson Chandler was for us, I mean that's a huge that's a huge lift. You know, I think development. Um, you know, you bring up a, a good point um, that we definitely want to see more development. But it's like this team is has given away the chance of developing so many players by just the terrible draft picks we've made. Uh, like Josh Green, even if Josh Green develops into what you know what he a spot up three and D kind of guy that everybody thought he was coming out of Arizona with a little bit of, a, I mean, and we saw flashes of his athleticism last year, right. When he I mean, played I mean, you know, look, towards Jay, the end of the year, Jay Crowder, like, yeah, perfect example. You know, um, I, I would love to see Josh Green develop. I, I think, I think Rick Carlisle just hates playing rookies and Rick Carlisle just did not, you know, did not want to put Josh Green in the game. And even though, Mavs fans were clamoring for Richardson to get out of there and, and, you know, give Josh Green some minutes. Um, the spot work that he had, he was not bad. You know, last year there was, there were flashes of, obviously he's, I think you can tell he's a good defensive player. The knock on him has been his shooting. Um, you know, and if he can work on that and get into a couple of games, I mean, who knows, right? If there's an injury to Sterling Brown, um, you know, if DFS misses a couple of games, if Bullock misses a couple of games, I mean, your next kind of three guy, you know, your small forward that's out there is Josh Green. You know, we uh, we talk about Moses' development. His last game, last game of the season against the Clippers last year, he went uh, 24 points, 18 rebounds, and seven blocks in 37 yeah, just, minutes. Like <laughs> that's yeah, insane. Like that's oh my God. I mean, I think you'll see Moses Brown a little bit there. Keep in mind, we still have Willie Cauley Stein, who I know the Mavs love. Um, you know, just. There's some games where where Willie Collier sign like seems like he could be the best center in the NBA, and then there's and he looks like the lottery pick that he was. And there's some games where I don't even think he realizes that he's like on the court or like playing because yeah, he just looks 100%. so completely out of it. Um, but I would love to see Moses Brown. I think you'll see a lot of shuffling with the lineup. I mean, the you know interesting um, piece of of what Jason Kidd said a couple days ago when talking about the starting lineup is uh, we knew Luca was going to be in there. We knew Tim Hardaway. Uh, we knew Porzingis. 
and we knew Dorian Finney-Smith, and it basically came down to, okay, is it going to be Maxi Kleba? Is it going to be uh, Reggie Bullock? Is it going to be Dwight Powell? Like, who who is that fifth spot? Not necessarily center, but who is that fifth starting player for this team? And Jason Kidd talked to Mark Cuban and then went and talked to Luca KP and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. and said, okay, who do you guys want to start? And I said Dwight Powell. Collectively, they all said Dwight Powell. Um, you know, if Dwight Powell can show what he showed against the Lakers last year, I mean, he was great against the Lakers. Those two games that, you know, towards the end of the season where uh, the defense he played on Anthony Davis, not only that, but offensively, I mean, he was catching lobs. And I think he got injured in the second game. Uh, against Lakers, but man, if if he can if he can be the pick and roll guy that that we need a center to be for Luca, and then if and if he can continue to develop that outside shot, he's a real real valuable piece for this team. But like that that's but my my it goes back to can he be like is he a floor raiser? Is he a ceiling raiser? Like will he be mm-hmm. that X factor to take us to the second round i mean well i think that's the thing too is what what is the success like what does success look like for this year success is winning a playoff series in my mind i think it's winning getting out of the first round if we can get out of the first round i think it's i will call the season a success doesn't matter if if we lose the next round I, i i think we have to get that hump off our back that okay we've gotten you know we've beaten the team you know we've made it to the next round and and whatever happens from there happens that's fair, but like, yeah, that's fair. I mean, my, my when I think about it, I, I'm thinking the clock. You know, when when Lucas signed that extension, the clock is ticking. So, oh yeah, you've got five years to win a title, right? Or six years. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I see. I feel like almost it's it's almost got to be conference finals because then what it shows. I know mm-hmm. I know it's extreme, but like then it shows potential free agents. Like oh. These guys are for real because what, what if, what if we, yeah. what if we win the first round, like four, one, four, two, and then we get blown out for nothing in the next round. Like, but you don't think, I mean, regardless of what happens, you don't think players are going to want to come play with Luca. I mean, if keep it, if we have caps, wasn't, space, right. Let's, wasn't, wasn't that the goal this year though? It was like, you know, but who were you going to play? Like who did, who were you going to go after? Right. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. The, the, we were we were hoarding cap space this year to get Giannis. That was the the goal. Giannis resigned. And I think it threw everything out of whack for you know for our free agency plans. So then you got to sit back and you got to take a calculated look at okay who fits this roster and not only the roster but who fits the timeline. Right. This isn't a team that I, I understand the need to win a title to keep Luca happy, keep him here past the supermax. But sure. you still have six years, right? You've got LeBron is in his late 30s. Steph Curry is what mid 30s. Clay Thompson's coming off an injury. Chris Paul is what early 40s. And yes, Phoenix is still young, but I mean, Kevin Durant is in his early is like in his 30s. James Harden's in yeah. his 30s. So you've got players that their careers are going to start winding down here the next few years. Lucas 22. I mean. It's, uh, I mean, we, we, we've got, I think we've got time and we don't have time at the same time. So, yes. you know, it's, but, it's, it's but about, you deal with the hand you're dealt, right? I mean, at this point we have to deal with what, what we have. Sure. Now let me ask you this, say, because we are known for our midseason trades. I mean, mm-hmm. the Jason kid trade, uh, you know, we've had, we've had a few other fairly impactful trades over the years. Um, 
you know, does this team say, say everything's humming along. We're fourth or fifth seed uh, come the February trade deadline. Are we making a move? It's interesting because I, Nico Harrison, this is his first, kind of roundabout as GM. And so we don't really know how he operates, right? We saw Donnie Nelson pull the trigger. I feel like every year there was a trade that the Mavericks were involved in, um, whether it made us better or worse, but it felt like Donnie was always on the phone making these deals. Uh, you know, last year getting JJ Redick, which didn't work out because he was just perpetually injured. Um, I, I think the one guy that everybody's been talking about is Goran Dragic. I mean, is, is he going to eventually become a Mav because of the connection with Luca and the connection with Igor? Um, I, you know, it's, I think if, if he's playing well, I think Toronto just deals him for assets, oh, right? They're not going to buy him out. Yeah. Masai is, Masai is a shrewd guy. Like he, yeah, gonna... Masai's not going to, he's not going to be like, Oh, you want to play in Dallas? Sure. I'll trade you to No, he's going to trade him to get something of value for, for that franchise. Um, so, you know, do we make admits? I, I, you know, the one thing that, that I was kind of thinking about the other day, and I was like, man, if we can't extend Jalen Brunson by midseason, I think you gotta flip him for something. Right? I mean, if, oh, if you can't if you can't sign him, he's definitely gonna get more than what you're gonna offer on the open market. Um I think he potentially could be it, I mean, he was in the running for six man of the year last year. I think he finished sixth in voting, but I think he'd be a top three six man of the year guy. But that's, uh, that's my issue is like, what are our assets? Like, I remember somebody said, if KP is playing well, like, what can you flip him for? Like, say he's having a 25 and 10 year. Like, could you, could you get it? I don't, yeah. I don't think you can get a ton for him because I think he's still got to prove it, right? It's not just a one year kind of thing unless somebody's completely desperate yeah. um, and really wants him. Brunson, I think you can get pretty good value for. If Brunson has the kind of year that we're expecting him to have, I think you're going to get good value. I think Reggie. I think they the the way that these contracts are structured with Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown is that they're easily flippable, right? So if there's a guy that if a Zach Levine is out there next offseason, if he decides not to re up with Chicago, and and Nico Harrison, who's got connections to Zach Levine, if he goes out and says, "Hey Zach, like I want you to come sign with the Mavericks," there's an easy way to flip Bullock Brown, and and if you've got to get rid of, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, or you got to get rid of somebody else, you know, you do it right to get a guy like Zach Levine. So. The only immovable real piece that we have is Porzingis, and that's assuming Porzingis continues to play the way he's played. If he plays like what I'm expecting him to play, and we'll get into that, I, you know, I, I think I, I don't think I think he is as close to untouchable then as Luca is. Yeah, no. Listen, if if Porzingis gets like tw you know 22, 23, and ten, and like a couple of blocks a game, or I mean, yeah, you're not going to flip him. But I mean, I think as we said too, you know. The, you you can't judge Nico Harrison by last by this past off season. Like he's going to be judged by next year, right? Um, you know, and this year is about development. How can we develop everybody around Luca and getting us past the first round? Yeah, man. Um, it's it's going to be a, a good. It's a fun season. I, I, we're fortunate enough that we went from dark to Luca, and now we've got another guy that we can you know watch for the hopefully for the next decade or two decades. Um, what, let me ask you this. What are your, what are your, okay. I want to get into this now because I've kind of alluded to it, but what are your expectations for Porzingis? I mean, what, what would you consider to be a successful season from Porzingis? And if, if he reaches that, you know, that kind of level of success, what does that mean for this team? Um, I mean, so what do I think Porzingis is going to be? 
I what I expect from him is twenty points, nine rebounds, and like one and a half blocks. Which is exactly what he did last year. But like his pro you know, my but my expectation for him though is doing it more consistently. And I mean, you know, playing like he's gotta play in at least seventy games. He has to. Um he's gotta do that. I want him to post up more. I want him mm-hmm. to, I want him to, like, I felt like too much last year. It was just him shooting deep threes. And while that's great, like, you are 7 5. Um, yeah. You know, you like, are, he needs to be on the low block. He's got to be, yeah. You're bullying people down there. That's the thing. Like, you know, we had a center for seven years, seven years, Sean Bradley. And I mean, he was the butt of every joke. Um, seven six guy got bullied. Like, KP's been lifting, you know, he's seven five, two ninety. Like get in there, bully mm-hmm. bully people. Like that's that that's what we need. If you're clogging the paint and you know, maybe that frees up the three for Sterling or Reggie or Luca or Tim Hardaway or one of those. So So uh, here's my here's my bold kind of prediction, I think. I I think this team can finish second in the Western Conference. <clears throat> If if everything goes the way that I, I that I lay out, right? I think if Luca's going to play like Luca, I'm not worried about that. Obviously, we need free throw improvement, which I think he will. Um, and I think his three point shot, if he just improves that by one or two percentage points, um, you're looking at a top three, top two MVP finish, if not winning the MVP outright. Um. I think Tim Hardaway, my friend yesterday made a good point and said that Tim Hardaway is probably the most important player on this team. Um, and, and that Tim Hardaway Jr. needs to have kind of an all-star, all-star kind of season. Um, you know, you talked about consistently with Porzingis. I want to see that from Hardaway, man. Like, how so, many times so have what you... Is, what, what does success look like for Hardaway, then? So, how many, like, how many times have you and I texted back and forth during games and we're like, Hardaway's shooting like three of 18 and then the next game he's like 16 of 18 and like putting up like 45 points. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Like, why can't we just get, you know, give us like normalcy, you know, like I think for Hardaway, I mean, if he's putting up anywhere between 17 and and 20 points per game, you know, hitting, you know, four threes, three, four threes a game. But I want to see, I don't want to see the peaks and the valleys that we've seen with him the last few years, right? We've seen games where it's like a stretch he averages like 25 and, you know, 25, three and four and you're shooting like 39, 40% from three. And then you get a week and a half of him averaging like 12 points and he's shooting 20% from three. And it's like, be in the middle, right? If you're going to do that, like be in the middle, average 15, 16, shoot 37, 38% from three. I'm happy with that. If we get the consistency from him that we need Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, just he's got to continue to be the lockdown defender that he is. Um, I think I think that's the addition of Reggie Bullock. I think helps Dorian Finney-Smith a lot because that's a guy that you can interchange, right? Well, and if you if don't, Franklin Tilakina, uh, you know, if he plays to ex- to expectation or six, it exceeds, I mean, exactly, he's that third defender. Yeah, it's another on-ball defender, and then you're not getting stuck in a situation like last year where you're trying to, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is tired, and so now you're putting Max Cleave on Kawhi Leonard, and it's just a complete mismatch every time, right? You bring you get another big body like Reggie Bullock, who can who is a pretty solid defender, um, you know, especially an on-ball defender, that you can kind of interchange those two guys, and then like you said, if Nilakina, you know, can come in and, and kind of get his legs under him, 
Um, you know, that's a third guy that you can you can bring in and start, you know, going with these defensive rotations um, and figure things out. My my biggest the biggest factor for this team in my mind is is Porzingis, and I feel like it's been that way since the day we acquired him. Right? It, it was we acquired him to be the, the number two star. Exactly. We got him to be Luca's number two. Um, I'm encouraged by what we saw in the preseason. Um, you know, I wrote uh, for MavsFansForLife.com. You know, my, one of my biggest preseason takeaways was Porzingis, and just the way he played. And there's there was a sequence of plays against Charlotte at the beginning of the game where. Porzingis was receiving like two or three off ball screens, got switched on to a smaller defender, posted him up and then did his little like step back and then shoot over him deal that he used to do in New York. And I mean, it just, it looked smooth. He looked more fluid. He looked more involved in the offense. You know, there were times last year where he was, like you said, he was just standing around, right? I mean, standing in a corner and, and we saw that, come to fruition in the playoffs where literally he stood in a corner the entire time against the Clippers. If he can be, if he can be that kind of movable chess piece, um, he doesn't necessarily always have to be setting, you know, screens or, or picks, you know, for Luca, but if he can receive some off ball screens and, and get, you know, get into the, into the paint against, um, against a smaller defender or, you know, pop out for a quick three. I mean, he's got a quick release, dude, he can average 23, 24 a game, you know, be maybe on the cusp of an all-star vote, most improved player. If he does that, this team is going to the Western Conference Finals. I will, I will mark it right now. Oh, I mean, listen, if, if he's averaging, if he, if he, if he's averaging 22, 23, if Hardaway's averaging 7, 18, or 7 or 17 or 18, if Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean, actually, actually, that's something else. Who, who's, who's our number four scorer? Because we know the top three, but who's the number four? Is it DFS? No, I think it's got to be Brunson, right? I think you're you're bringing Brunson off the bench, and Brunson's going to play 23, 20, anywhere between 23 and 28 minutes a game. I mean, basically starter minutes. It wouldn't surprise me um, because I think you're going to – I don't think Dwight Powell plays, you know, that much. I think he's there at, like, the starting rotation, obviously, and then, you know, they'll move KP to the five as, as the game goes on. But I think you're going to see Brunson in a lot of – especially with that secondary unit with him, Starling Brown, Reggie Bullock – um, I, I think Brunson puts on a crazy year. I think he's gonna he could average 13, 14 a game. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if he listen, if he's averaging like fourteen and six, uh, I think we're probably top two. I mean, if he's their fourth scorer and averaging fourteen and six, I bet we're probably number two. And if I'm Nico, I'm looking at saying, hey, like this guy could be some serious trade bait. Yeah, and I, I want to resign him so badly. Like I think he's. He's just the perfect fit as like your secondary, your second unit kind of uh, ball handler. Your your off the bench point guard, which is so crucial in the NBA. Um, but it's it's gonna take a lot of money, man. That guy's really put himself on the map. He should have been a first rounder. I don't know how we fell to the second round against us, but or you know to us, um, you know. But I I think with the with the chance to extend him has passed. Um, I think we have to we got to at least see what we can we can if we can try. If we can try to get get him signed, if not, I think you really have to consider moving him. Hundred percent. Well, um, I, you know, I'm, I, this is a really, really interesting year. It's it's a year that I don't think we've had in a long time. Um, you know, there's so many variables that could happen. You know, yeah. as you said, we could be second. We could be playing like 
if certain players do certain things, like we might be, you know, we might do this, like, you know, we might be here or we might be there. And like health is such a big part, man. Like not even, not only for us, but you're talking if there's, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's out for the entire year. Like the Clippers maybe don't even make the playoffs. Like, yeah, you know, that's, there's a very likely possibility that the Clippers don't make the playoffs. Denver's going to struggle without Jamal Murray. Um, you know, who knows if something, if Clay Thompson's rehab doesn't go as planned, I mean, Golden State's, you know, not going to be as, as, you know, as lethal as people think, think that they might be. Western Conference is wide open, you know, I mean, other than the Lakers and the Jazz, I mean, every, you know, you've got those next three to, to eight slots that, that you could really move them around. However, depending on, like you said, player development and health and, and things like that, right? We've got a real golden opportunity, I think, to really take advantage of, Kawhi and Jamal Murray's injuries being, you know, Clay Thompson being shelved for, for half the year. Um, but it's, man, it's all going to come down to chemistry and it's all going to come yeah. down to how can Jason Kidd, you know, can he learn or excuse me, not can he, has he learned from his mistakes? Is he going to uh, rely on his off on his offensive assistance? Um, you know, and, and what, how does KP do, man? I mean, oh, that's, that feels like that's the question we've been asking ourselves for the last three years is, is, you know, is Porzingis healthy? Is he going to play like the KP of old? Because um, we know Luke is going to do his thing. But it's all it's all down to KP. It's yeah, it's all down to KP. And I know Mavs fans are frustrated. And I know I and you know me. I've said it every year. I'm like KP is going to come back and he's going to have a fantastic year. And you know, midway through the year, you're texting me and you're like, you're an idiot. Like this guy sucks. And that's like, I, look, man, I I want the guy to be healthy. Um, I I think he's he's got to play seventy games. Like he has to minimum. That's bold, man. Seventy games is bold. I I would I would take sixty five. I, but seventies, yeah. I mean, I, I get it because you're talking you're talking optimal health at that point, right? Yeah, you rest him maybe a couple of back to backs here and there if he's got a couple like you know people hobble throughout the year and stuff. But you're talking basically ninety percent of the season you want to see him out there. Yeah, I mean, if, to be a functional NBA player, like, it, I mean, it's the same questions the Lakers have with AD. Like, AD has only played, I think the stat is like 65 or, it's like 60 or 65% of like the games, the eligible games in like the past couple of years. And, and it's, you know, how much of, a, of an, you know, if you're missing 20 games a year, uh, I mean, and you're AD or you're KP, I mean, think about it. You could be, the difference between, you know, five, 10 wins and five, 10 wins in the West gets you second seed. So, yeah, but you know, the 80 thing is, is interesting. Cause yeah, he'll miss games, but if, if KP can turn it on in the, in the postseason like AD does, that's a whole different story. Right. Then I don't care what seed we are. Right. Lakers could be the four seed and they'd still probably make the finals. Right. It doesn't matter if, if they turn it on in the, in the playoffs when it matters, um, you know, it's a whole different ballgame at that point. But if once again, if yeah, like it, if if is exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I'm yeah, I don't. I for for me, if you're if I'm paying you thirty million dollars, and this is your third year with me, like I expect you. I, I fine. Like I want you at least eighty percent of my games. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, you know, it's been talked about a lot. It's his first healthy off season that he's had in three years. Finally, no surgeries, just time to work on himself, on his game, on his mental health, which was, you know, an issue he came out and spoke about. You know, maybe we see a rejuvenated KP. Maybe we see, you know, the KP of old. Um, 
if if it's anything like he played in the preseason, it's going to be very very exciting to see. And I, I think I think we'll get a I think we'll get a good display of it. You know, when when we face the Hawks, um, you know, later on tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm exci- I'm excited. Um, I I think I think this is going to be a big year. Um, I hope you know there. People, I think people are doubting us, and I think they overhyped us last year. So. Mm-hmm. You know, we know Dallas teams. When Dallas teams have no expectation, they usually do pretty well. So um, I, I think there is an expectation here, but like, there's also not an expectation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think everybody's excited for Luca. Where you know he's got the, the best MVP odds um, for this season. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he wins MVP. It also wouldn't surprise me if he finishes fourth or fifth. You know, but I think he's still a top seven player in the NBA already and he's moving his way up and we're, we're lucky to, to be able to watch him every night and, and call him, you know, um, you know, ours, you know, our, our kind of superstar player that we've got here in Dallas. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just glad basketball's back. You know, it's, it's a fun time. You know, we've got the Cowboys who are doing really well. We've got the stars, you know, NHL just kicked off and um, now we've got, Dallas Maverick basketball finally again. So in a full 82 game season starting on time, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. I mean, and it's, let's just hope everything comes together for the, for the Mavs. This is a big, big, big year. So, yeah. um, you know, I think KP knows it. I think Jalen Brunson knows it. I think Luca knows it. I mean, everybody's got reputations that they're trying to change. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But uh, you know, I, let's let's get the season underway. We'll uh, we will definitely talk more Mavs basketball as the season progresses. Once again, he is Adam Rosenfield. Uh, Adam, thanks again for hopping on the podcast, buddy. Hey, uh, always a pleasure to do it. I always enjoy it. Thanks, man. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Metroplex Mania. Uh, go ahead and make sure you subscribe, uh, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm your host, Shana Vazmakani. Until the next episode, thanks.